Our scripture reading today will be in the book of Mark, chapter 12. In the black Bible in the pew in front of you, it's on page 1009. Again, that's Mark, chapter 12. We'll be reading two small sections, starting in verse 28 through 34, and then we'll skip ahead to verses 38 through 44. Mark 12, verse 28. In context, Jesus has been uh, debating somewhat with the leaders of the church, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had been trying their best to uh, debate him and to trap him with his own words, and it's hard to trap the author of the Word of God. In verse 28, we begin reading, One of the scribes approached. When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. We'll skip down to verse 38. He also said in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who want greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher judgment. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning the disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I don't know where you'd rather be on a sunny Sunday morning. I wouldn't rather be crappie fishing or turkey hunting or working in the yard or whatever, riding horses, whatever people do. I'd rather, I want to be right here. And I know many of you feel the same. And maybe there's some of you who, who you don't want to be here. You're here because mama or husband or wife or grandma or somebody wants you to be here. But we just trust God's providence. He brought you here for a reason. We're able to see, sing good music, true songs to the Lord. And now we're going to study truth. You're able to see two people who've been changed by truth. So pray the Lord would encourage your heart, draw you to himself today. Let's pray and we'll get started with Mark chapter 12. Appreciate Jamie reading our text. Part of that's our teaching text this morning. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we acknowledge your goodness. We submit ourselves to you. Those of us who are believers, we submit ourselves to you right now, yielded to you, asking you to help us as we study your word. Thankful for the truth we've already sang. Thankful for the, the obedience of these two believers. But, Lord, we're asking for help. We need you to help me, the preacher, to teach with clarity, with passion. 
Pray for us who hear, that we would be not only hearers of the word, but doers as well. And Father, we pray for those here who have yet to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's some, maybe they're a child, maybe they're a student, maybe they're an adult. They've yet to surrender to your lordship. They've yet to repent and trust Christ's work on the cross as their own. I pray that you would use what they've heard, what they've seen, and what we're going to study to change their lives. Father, may you save sinners today, even in the next 30 minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 12, we are studying the greatest week of the greatest life, also known as Passion Week or Holy Week. We're looking at the last seven days of Jesus' life in the Gospel of Mark, and we're just kind of hopping and skipping and jumping through it. But we're in chapter 12. Jesus has entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to the cheers of many who had witnessed him raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus allowed them to sing, Hosanna, 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 as he enters the city. And by allowing these, this entourage to sing such words to him, he was declaring that he was the Messiah, the Davidic king, the one that the Israelites had longed for. After taking a look at the temple... He leaves Jerusalem, which would be his pattern each night for Bethany. So he leaves Jerusalem, and then next morning on Monday, he returns to the temple, and what does he do? But he, he cleans the temple. He drives out the money changers, the vendors selling sacrificial animals. He drives them out, thus condemning their worship. The religious elite had set up this market in the court of the Gentiles where the, the Gentiles couldn't even worship. Jesus called it a, a den of thieves, a house of robbers. This would provoke the religious leaders to action as they sought, as the scriptures tells us, to destroy Christ. Well, Jesus returns again on Tuesday. And when he returns, he has these confrontations with the religious leaders. There's five confrontations in all where the religious leaders are showing their disdain for Christ their lack of submission to his authority. Jesus is the stone the leaders of Israel had rejected. But he does have ultimate authority, and he's proven that by, first of all, driving out the money changers and the vendors in the market. And the second way he proves his authority is by the way he answers their questions as they bring questions to trick Jesus, to make Jesus stumble over his own words, to make Jesus maybe incriminate himself, but he, he answers those with clarity and with authority, so much so that people are in awe of him. And Jesus has two confrontations with the scribes in the, the text Jamie read for us this morning. One scribe came and asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. And these prior questions have all been by people who did not want to know the truth. We would call them dishonest skeptics. They're asking Jesus a question, but they really don't want to know the answer. But here, this scribe, maybe, he's an honest skeptic. He asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, and Jesus answered him, the most important thing you can do is love God and love your neighbor. The scribe agrees with Jesus, and Jesus tells him in verse 34 of Mark chapter 12 that you are not far from the kingdom of God. So what I want us to do is keep that context in mind as we study the, the next scriptures, verse 38 through the end of the chapter. 
And what Jesus is doing, he contrasts two types of people. And we see firstly the, the negative example in verse 38 through 40. And what Jesus is doing here is they've described the Pharisees, the Herodians, they've all kind of been on the attack confronting Jesus with these questions. And now we see Jesus kind of going on the offensive here against the scribes. He says, beware of the scribes. Now, we need to answer the question, who are the scribes? The term scribe was used early in the times of the Davidic kings. And what they were is they were secretaries. They were recorders. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 15 through 17. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all his people. And then he lists people who, was in, who were in his court. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahalud, was recorder. And Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests. And Sarahiah was secretary. Morgan, I should have got you to read that text for us, buddy. <laughs> but you see the, the, the recorder and the, the secretary. And that's what a scribe was in the, in the time of King David. As time passes on in post-exilic Judaism, a scribe came to denote an expert in the law. We think of Ezra during the time of the exile. Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. But you see, he was skilled in the law of Moses. So we see the, the, the office of scribe changing a bit, don't we? Then during the, the time of the intertestamental period, that 400 years between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, during this time the importance and the fame of the scribes grew as Hellenistic thought, Greek thought, began to challenge Judaism. And so there was a need for, for scribes to teach and, and interpret the law for the people. And so in Jesus' day, the scribes had elevated themselves to be experts in the law. They, could, they knew the law. They could interpret the law. But not, not only that, but they were experts in matters regarding breaking of the law. So they transcribed, they studied, they expounded the law. They were important people in Judaism of, of the first century. Now, sometimes people ask me, and here recently... Several have asked me questions about the leaders and who it is. You got scribes and Sadducees and Pharisees and Herodians and, and, and who are all these people and how do we keep them straight? Well, this may muddy the water even more. But the Pharisees, they were a religious party. They were lay people. They were lay preachers, if you will. Very conservative, but they were lay people. And the scribes were actually part of a religious office. They had a position, if you will. Most of the scribes belonged to the Pharisaic party. So most of the scribes were Pharisees, but you, not all the Pharisees were scribes. Muddy the water, sorry. If you have other questions about that, send them to me and I'll, I'll uh, answer you. But the scribes were important people in Jesus' day. And on the surface, if you think about it, these people, are, they know the law, they're in terms of the law, they can, they can tell you when the law's been broken, they have this position of authority. You would think they would have been beneficial to those needing guidance, needing direction. Yeah, they would be a help to the people. However, the opposite is true. We see here in our text, as Jesus says, beware of the scribes. He, so, beware of them means to avoid them. 
Stay away from them. So rather than embracing their teaching, Jesus tells the people, avoid the, avoid the scribes. See, the, the problem with the scribes is they didn't practice what they preach. Look at our text here. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have them open, it'd help you maybe to open those up, to open your scriptures up to Mark chapter 12. Notice the, the allegations against the scribes here. Verse 38, they walk around in long robes and they like greetings in the marketplaces. See, the, the scribes distinguished themselves by the way they dressed. They, they wore these white robes. And what made them unique is no one else wore white robes. They one wore colored clothing. But they had white robes. And not only that, but they, they had these um, tassels on their robes. And what they would do is they would lengthen those tassels. They had these big, long, pretty, flowing robes. In fact, Matthew chapter 23, verse 5 Jesus says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They like being noticed. They like being noticed. Also, they like greetings in the marketplace. They like being called rabbi when they went into town, went into the market. And what happens when a, when a scribe would walk by, if you were sitting down, you would stand kind of in honor of the scribe. So they love the attention. They could, it's been said, they could strut while sitting down. Verse 39, they have the best seats. They, they like the places of honor at feasts. The, the wealthy and the powerful would oftentimes invite the, the important scribes to their events, whatever they were, banquets, weddings, what, what have you. It was like they were hood ornaments. Oh, this is an important person in our culture, in our society. We want him at our, our, our party. Make us look good. But it's interesting, they, they like the places of honor, but Jesus teaches against that, doesn't he? All throughout the scriptures, Luke 17, verse 7 through 11, he tells a parable. Now he told a parable to those who were invited, and he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. And in verse 11 of Luke chapter 17, for everyone who exalts himself will be what? You don't know that text? Be humbled, right? Yeah. And who humbles himself will be exalted. But the scribes wouldn't have any of that. They weren't about being humble. No, they, they liked the attention. They liked the place of honor. They liked being made much of. And they also prayed on the week. It says they devoured widows' houses. What does that mean exactly? Not real sure. But it has to mean that they used their position of authority to take advantage of the weak. Kind of makes me think of the televangelists I used to see on TV that my, my grandmother used to watch. They always make me kind of give me the willies. Praying on those people who didn't know any better to make money. Verse 40, they make long prayers. Yeah, they could pray beautifully in public. But in private, they seldom pray. Right? We see this warning 
by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. When you pray, you're not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. The scribes are doing everything Jesus says not to do. How they carried themselves, how they treated others. They will receive the greater condemnation, verse 40. So you have all these indictments, and they're going to be condemned. They're going to be punished more severely. Why? Why will God judge the scribes harsher than other people? Because they knew the word of God. They had the word of God. They taught the word of God. They had been given much, so much was required of them. James warns us, James chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we shall incur a stricter judgment. Being a leader, being a teacher of the word, it's a kind of a dangerous place to be. It's not something that everybody should do because you're going to be judged more strictly. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a parable of a faithful servant. He, compl he concludes that parable by saying, and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did, not, did, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. See, there's degrees of punishment, aren't there? Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. That's the scribes. And for him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So I said we have, to, we have to remember the context, what's going on, the flow of the text, because God inspired Mark to write this text, this gospel. But he not only inspired the words, but he, he inspired the, the order which words were put together. A scribe comes to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Did these scribes, did they, love, did they love God? Did they love their neighbor? No, they didn't. Who do they love? They love themselves. They didn't obey the law, although they knew it. And on top of that, they reject the one the law pointed towards, Christ, the stone that was rejected. They take advantage of the weak. They didn't love God. They didn't love their neighbor. But Jesus then contrasts these scribes with another. The second point is we see a positive example in verse 41 through 44. Jesus sits down in the temple and he observes the manner in which people were putting money into the treasury. And there were these, there were 13 trumpet-shaped chests all around the walls of the, the court of women. And as people would come by and drop money in, Jesus was watching them. And the rich, they oftentimes made a big production, right, of their offerings. But they, this widow, he sees the, the wealthy giving much. And they should, right? Yeah, if you, you have a lot, you should give a lot. If the Lord gives you the money, you should, you should give more money, right? But then he sees this widow. And she gave two copper coins, 
And these coins, they were the smallest. It's kind of like our, our penny today. It was worth one sixty-fourth of a day's wage for a typical laborer. You think about it, as far as what her gift, her offering could purchase, she might as well have not given anything. But Jesus knew her heart. He knew she gave all she had. She didn't just give a little bit. Well, this is all iron. I have, I have ten coins. I'll give two. No, she had two, and she gave two. Meaning she had two, and she didn't have money to, to buy food for provision. She gave it all. And what seemed like little in man's eyes, it was a lot to the Lord. So it's not the, it's not the portion, but the proportion, maybe, that's important. The rich gave out of their abundance, and rightly so. But the poor widow gave all she had. Maybe you could say it's not necessarily what one gives of his or her finances that shows our hearts most clearly but what's left over after we give. I was at a, a funeral of a family member this week, and I saw some family members I hadn't seen in a long time. It was great. I hadn't seen them in a while. And guys that are my age, we grew up kind of together. And um, talking to one, he was like, man, lately at church, all the preachers been talking about is money. He said, it's almost like, man, they pass the plate around. If it's not enough, man, let's pass that thing around again, you know? Keep passing it till we get what we need, you know, kind of thing. And he was just talking about that. Yeah, it just drives me crazy. I'm like, yeah, man, I can understand how that would drive you crazy. And we don't, we don't talk about it a lot. We only talk about it when the Bible talks about it. And our, our rhythm here at church is we, we walk through books of the Bible. We just walk through them verse by verse. And, and then you come to those things like money and, and sex and divorce and all those things that kind of make people uncomfortable. But as, as the scriptures address them, we address them too. But Jesus talked a lot about money. Where's your, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And your heart, where your, your heart is, it's really, really important. It says a lot about what you love. And we can fake a lot of things. And in our small groups, one of the rhythms we have here at Beaver, we, we ask all, almost every small group we have. Anytime we get together in a small group, we ask, what'd you read? What have you been reading? What have you been studying the scriptures? And, and how is it helpful? Share that with us. And then the next thing we, we ask is, have you shared the gospel with anybody? And, and, and share about your experience there. But sometimes we can fake those things. Oh, I'm reading whatever. We can fake a lot of things, but you really can't fake what you give. Because you look at your bank account, it, it's telling, right? Where you spend your money, what, what, what's most important to you. We can see it by how we... We use our money. And we could say a lot more about giving and money and, and all of those things. But I think, and, and we, by, by this text, we learn a lot about giving. But I think what's happening here, what I think is most important is, is that how it's tied in with that greatest commandment question. We have the greatest commandment question, and we have the, the scribes being, beware the scribes, don't be like them. And then you have this woman who you could say, don't be like the scribes. 
because they're all they're self-absorbed. They're all about them. They love the show. They love themselves. They even use their position, their God-given position of authority. And they abuse that authority. They take advantage of the weak. Terrible. Think what Jesus is saying. The scribes, they don't love, they don't love me. If they don't love me, they're definitely not gonna love their neighbor. But we got this poor widow. Now she's got it. She's got it. Beware of the, the scribes. Stay away from them. But hey, learn something from this woman. This old meemaw, she's got it going on. She's going to teach us something. Because she loves the Lord. Because she loves the Lord, what is she? She's benevolent and she's giving and she gives sacrificially. It reminds me of the, the poor persecuted believers in Philippi. We just finished walking through the book of Philippians. But it reminds me a lot of them because they were poor, they're persecuted, they're going through hard times. Man, it's, it's struggling. And Paul just over and over, man, you're just so giving, you're so giving. When, when no one gave anything, you've been giving since the beginning. You've been supporting me. And they didn't have anything. You gave out of your poverty. We have this contrast of two lives, the scribes who are seeking to take Jesus' life. They reject him as the Messiah. Out to destroy him. Trying to take Jesus' life. And here the, the, the widow gives her life. Right? Much more to be said, but just by way of application, let's, let's think about that. As we leave, what do we need to do? And, and in regard to giving, I, I think that's something we can think about. Does your giving reflect the kind of trust of the Lord that we claim we have? If you're a believer, oh, I trust the Lord. Well, what's, it, what's that looking like? Are you giving your, your money? Are you giving your time? Are you giving your energy? Does our generosity reflect our love for God and his people? Just maybe by way of application, we need to ref just reflection questions. And it really doesn't matter how much money you have. That's not, that's inconsequential, right? If you, you've been given much, you give much. If you've been given little, you give little. It's not about the portions, the proportion, right? Maybe another question I ask just by way of application is, who do we identify with? And you might be there and you're thinking, well, you know, we're, we're at church. We're, it's Sunday morning. We're here. We're believers. We love the Lord. How could I identify with the scribe? Well, think about your, your wall for us that are believers. I mean, there came a point in, in our lives, and maybe it was when you were younger, maybe it was when you were older, 
But you came to a point in your life where you realized you don't care what you have to give up. You know, you're poor in spirit. You recognize you're spiritually bankrupt. You realize you don't have anything without Christ, and you're willing to do whatever. And so you surrender your life to the Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. I've, I'm sinful. I'm selfish. I'm self-absorbed. I've lived for me, for me, for me, for me. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want, to re- I want to turn from that lifestyle, and I want to trust what Christ did for me on the cross, and I want to follow him. Take up that cross of Jesus, and I want to follow him. I don't care what it, I don't care what it, what God demands from me. I don't care what he's going to take away. I don't care what, what people are going to say. I just want to, I want to know him, and I want to follow him, and I want to give him glory. If you're a believer, you've, that's, that's been your experience. And we all get there different ways, but that's our experience. And maybe you said, yeah, I've, I've lived, I've, I've known Christ and I've followed Jesus, but along the way, life gets in the way. And sometimes it's, it's family and sometimes it's kids and sometimes it's promotion. Sometimes it's whatever. Sometimes it's success. Sometimes it's bad choice, hard times, whatever. But somewhere along the way, maybe we're, we're not yielded like we once were. When we became a believer, we yielded the Lord Lord, not my will, but yours be done, and I want to follow you. Whatever you ask me to do, I want to do. The, the poor widow, that attitude. God, I just, want to, I just want to obey you. I want to give sacrificially. I want to serve. I want to love you. I want to give you glory. Maybe that was your, your attitude, but maybe life get, has gotten in the way. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you can't say, man, I'm just totally you to the Lord. Whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to do. But that's what believers do. That's why we call him Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. So maybe, just by way of application, we need to evaluate, where am I? Man, I used to be so yielded to the Lord. I used to be so giving, so benevolent. So I would sacrificially give up my my money, my time, my energy, whatever. But now, you know what? Man, I look at my life, I'm kind of like a scribe. And like, I love the tension. I love comforts. I love, it's about me, 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 me. And I look at my pocketbook, it's like, well, I give, I give a lot of money, but you know what? I make a lot of money. And where does that money go? And you look at the kind of proportion, man, I spend a lot of, a lot of what, I, what the Lord gives me is, is, is mine. And I'm just not yielded to the Lord. And it's not about the money. I mean, our church is doing really well. We do really well. We have a really giving people. So it's not like, man, we must be people thinking, man, we must be behind on the note or something. The preacher's talking about this. No, we're doing great. And I'm the pastor of the church. Y'all take so good care of me. It's not that. I'm talking to me too. What about my heart? It's about our hearts. Where are we? Are we yielded to the Lord? You remember that soft, tender place you were back in the day where you... you you first knew the Lord and you were yielded to the Lord. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Are you there? That's the, the poor widow. She was there. Whatever, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do. I trust you're going to take care of me. I trust you're going to do. I, I just want your will to be done in my life. I want to honor you in my life. Are you there? Or are you kind of like been, you know, you were there once, but now you've kind of, you're kind of holding tightly on to things. Now, maybe we need to repent. Say, Lord, I want to be like the poor widow. And be willing to give whatever. But I'm not there right now because I'm, I'm holding tightly onto my 
things and my ambition and my money and my time and my whatever. Maybe you need to let loose of that. Say, Lord, I'm not where I need to be. And I need you to break my heart. And I need to be once again yielded to you. Willing to do whatever you ask me to do. Maybe that's what we need to do today. And maybe you're, you're here and what I just said was totally foreign to you. You've never been yielded to the Lord. You've never surrendered to the Lord. You've never repented. You've lived for you your entire life. And right now you're here and you kind of got to, you got to be here face on. And you live for you, you live for you, you live for you. How, how are you doing with that? You're miserable. You're a miserable person. And you're lost. And not only that, you're at enmity with God. And when you breathe your last, which might be this afternoon, you'll, be, you'll spend eternity in hell where God will pour out his wrath upon you and that is what you deserve. If you've never repented, you're lost, you're going to hell. And he will pour out his wrath upon you for all eternity and that is exactly what you deserve. Because that's exactly what I deserve. The good news is that Jesus came and took on flesh and he walked this earth and for 33 years he obeyed the Father perfectly. He lived a life that you and I can't live. He was benevolent. So much so he gave his life for sinners like you and me. He died on a cross obeying the Father's will. All that physical anguish but most terribly the, the, the wrath of the father was poured out upon the son and he died he was buried on the third day he rose he came back to life that's what we're going to celebrate in a couple weeks Easter and the Bible says he, he, he rose from the dead for our justification so that we could be made right with him and for all you miserable people who are self-absorbed and living for yourself, Jesus commands you to repent and to trust him. What do you mean by trust him? You trust that he died on the cross and he rose on the third day for you. If you don't repent, if you don't trust Christ's work on the cross as your own, you go to hell, you receive his wrath. And that is right and good for God to do that. But the good news is that he saves sinners like me who was self-absorbed, living for me, living for me, living for me. November 25th of 1990. Got my attention. I realized I was lost, going to hell. Came to a point, I don't care, God, what I have to do. I don't care what I have to say. I don't care what I have to give up. I don't care what people think. I just want to know you because you, you died for me and you rose for me. And I want to live for you. And if you'll repent, if you'll, tell, if you'll pray that prayer like I just prayed, if you'll, you'll pray that and you'll, you'll turn from your sin and you'll embrace Christ what he'll do with your hard, selfish, prideful heart is he'll break it 
and he'll make you like that poor widow who was willing to, to do whatever God wanted you to do. Man, that's where we want to be. Man, there's joy in that. That's, that's, there's purpose in that kind of life, living like that poor widow. The scribe, man, that's no life to live, self-absorbed, all about me, egocentric. No joy in that. No joy in that. Believer, where's your heart? What's your attitude these days? Are you like the poor widow or are you like the scribe? My prayer is that we'll, we'll repent today if we're hard-hearted, if we've began to little by little hold more tightly to things than we should. Pray that our hearts, my heart, would be broken. For you that are lo that, that's lost, that's yet to repent, I pray that your heart will be broken and you'll be granted faith and repentance today. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your goodness to us. Everything we have, everything good we have comes from you. Father, everything good we have comes from you. Lord, the, 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 the money we received, the paycheck we received, the good report we received, the, the good food we had, the, the relationships that we have that we, we, we find so much joy in. Lord, our, our people, uh, Mr. Leon, Mr. Cece, getting to come home from the hospital. Oh, that's just good gifts. Lord, thank you. You've been so good to us. Father, help us to acknowledge that and, and understand that. Lord, help us to be thankful people who have benevolent hearts like the, the poor widow. And Father, if we, we, we're not at that point of surrender, Father, if we're holding tightly onto what we want instead of what you want, I pray that you would break our hearts, that we as a church family would be a benevolent, giving, loving, yielded church family that wants to give you glory and wants to serve others, wants to love you and grow in our love for you and grow in our love for each other. Father, help us to be that kind of church and that kind of people. And Father, for those that are here, they're lost. And they, there's some here today, they know they're lost. They got their, their, their fist shaking it at you every day, all day long, because they want to live for themselves. And they're miserable, they're miserable, they're miserable. Father, open their eyes to see your goodness. And Lord, may you grant them faith and repentance today. Father, save somebody today. Change a heart today. Father, we're so thankful for Sarah. Lord, how she serves here. Lord, we love her so much. She's such a sweet sister. And we're thankful that she was obedient to you today. I pray that you would bless her today because of her obedience. And Lord, that you would protect her. And Lord, you would continue to give her a, a heart for you. Lord, her mom and daddy have taught her to love you, and Lord, she's doing that. I pray that she would continue to grow as she's growing into adulthood. You would continue to give her a, a desire to know your word and obey it. Their heart would be tender towards you like the poor widow. And for James, Lord, what a blessing he's been, his family to our church already. We're just thankful for his servant's heart and his eagerness to obey you. Father, I pray that you would bless him this week, Lord, that he would draw near to you every day, that you would speak to him, that you would 
Reveal yourself to him through your word. And Lord, give him grace to obey it. Father, for both these believers, Lord, I pray for your correction when they need correcting. Father, help them persevere to trust you. And help us be the church we need to be to love them and, and shepherd them and care for them. Thank you for the, the visitors that are here today. Lord, may you bless them. Lord, may they leave if they know you rejoicing because we've been together. And Lord, if they don't know you, Father, may you save their souls today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.